Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All I ever wanted was a little love. I want true romance. It's true. Hello and welcome to True Romance. This is Carolina Barlow. And this is Devin Leary. I think like most of the general public, everyone enjoyed our interview with Jeannie last episode. I know I was incredibly moved, um, even though my family doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. When I recounted the interview to them, they were very moved. I was also very moved by the Genie interview that thank- thankfully is continuing this episode. Um, I feel like people still haven't even heard the best of it. I got a text from my grandma. I got texts from friends. Must people be just nice. saying they got so much out of it. And she's just the best. Yes. Uh, we have some listeners questions today and I actually really benefited from the answers that Jeannie gave. Yeah, we actually are the listeners. Well, we can reveal it now. We can <laughs> Many reveal it. people, um, sent in questions, um, who seem to be going through a lot, namely Devin and I. Carolina, what do you think of yesterday's headline news right before talk about trying to steal the thunder the same way that Kylie Jenner announced her first baby on Super Bowl Sunday. Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker get engaged on succession Sunday. We're all getting ready to watch the premiere and this news hits. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, did you guys watch succession right after you finished proposing to her in the middle of a maze of roses? Listen, my whole take on Courtney and Travis and MGK and Megan is these are two moms of three who are living out some ninth grade fantasy and good for them. All four of these people, I think, are not very deep. I think that Travis Barker and MGK, though, both have big dick energy. Like, I think I'm not attracted to Travis Barker. I used to be, but he and I, I I do really like tattoos, but 
I do think he has too many and it stresses me out. And the tattoo blessed under his eye in particular stresses me out. But I, I don't, I just like look at them and I'm like, I don't know what you talk about. I don't think you talk about a lot. I think you guys just have really good sex. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, I don't know if there are people who need to talk about a lot of things. And if that's the case, great. Their engagement location to me looked like a bachelor style engagement with like a heart made of roses yes. and candles. So it's like we were talking about with Jeannie last week. Like, I don't know if these people are capable of like discussing succession, understanding the subtle, like, yes, they might've watched succession. I don't know if they like talked about it after and discussed the subtleties. So if they um, want to live a life full of fun and sexual chemistry, go on for it. I'm Go happy for, for you. I am happy for you. Depth sometimes doesn't survive. So maybe this is what works. Speaking of depth, though, the worst is depth that doesn't even know how shallow it is. And, and what I mean by that is really MGK and Megan Fox did a GQ interview. And it's smoldering pics of her like holding a gun and almost completely naked. He's like a cigarette dangling out of his mouth. Or it's just very on brand for them and they're talking about their courtship and it is weird and they say they met at a gq party years ago and megan fox said this weird thing happened we didn't see each other she looks to mgk do you remember seeing my face that's what's crazy he says i don't i don't remember your face I don't remember your face, she says, and I definitely would have remembered his face. I just remember this tall, blonde, ghostly creature, and I looked up, and I was like, you smell like weed. He looked down at me, and he was like, I am weed. Then, I swear to God, he disappeared like a ninja in a smoke bomb. Fox has a theory. I think we weren't allowed to see each other yet. We weren't supposed to run into each other that night, so our souls our spirit guides were luring us away from each other because you literally had no face like that thing from Spirited Away. It is hard to see his face in general. What's going on? But he really, he had no face that night. Thank God, because what torture had I known you were there and I couldn't get to you. It was better that I didn't know. Yeah, I think I watched their, I didn't read that interview, but I watched their GQ like couples questionnaire thing. Sure. Like at, when I first started watching it, I was like, OK, I love their banter. Like, it's funny that they like have this back and forth together. They kind of make fun of each other and they kind of uh, feed off each other. They definitely have crazy chemistry. But then it kind of became like the popular couple couple in your high school when she's saying like, OK, he'd be so embarrassed to admit that he likes to watch Nine Perfect Strangers. And he's like, no, I don't, babe. I was like, uh, all right, you're not that like quirky. I will say I much more appreciate the Megan Fox Machine Gun Kelly energy than I do the Benefer energy right now where everything what? is like, yes, because Benefer is so controlled now and manicured and I every know. appearance is planned and like, it's a lot. They're not being themselves at all. They're just like trying, they, they're like enjoying going to places like Union Square and Midtown just so people will take pictures of them. Like I'm a little bit over it and I much more prefer the off the cuff bizarro world of Courtney, Travis, MGK, and Megan. They talk about their first kiss, MGK and Megan Fox. 
And he says, even our first kiss, she wouldn't kiss me. We just put our lips right in front of each other and breathed each other's breath. And then she just left. See, if that happened to me, I would also just leave. And then I would just never return. I would be so uncomfortable. I would I would tell you like the weirdest thing just happened. I just sucked breath from a stranger and then left because I didn't know what to do. Okay. So I want to move on from those two, I would say, A-list couples to one celebrity couple that is famous to me. Generously D-list. Like if we called them D-list, that would be a favor. I don't think TLC reality show stars are on a list of any sort, um, if we're being honest. So I follow this account called 90 Day The Melanated Way, and that's where I came across this information. I just want to give credit. And I saw that it was a post about Michael and Juliana. I forget which seasons Michael and Juliana were on, but they were a 90 Day Fiance couple and they were notable to me. Sorry, my dog is shaking. Um, They were notable to me because Michael is from Greenwich, Connecticut, and I am also from a different part of Connecticut, but I know of Greenwich to be like the fancy, bougie, like preppy, waspy, rich people world. And I have actually had conversations with people about like, why is there not a real Housewives of Greenwich? And we came to the conclusion like Greenwich people are so waspy that they would they know not to like expose the family secrets on a reality show. Well, that was all proved wrong when Michael decided to go on 90 Day Fiance and I was riveted to see places that I had driven by or been around in Connecticut on the big old TV screen. So I watched their seasons. I actually thought that Michael, of course, seemed like a sociopath, but like his kids are really cute and well behaved and he's still really good friends with his ex-wife. So those two factors made me less suspicious of him but he's very creepy and he's with this woman juliana that they were married she's from brazil and she is i think she was she was maybe like 20 or in her early 20s when they got together so that creeped me out so i just need to read this caption because it's quite simply the most unhinged unhinged, yes unhinged breakup caption i've ever seen so Michael, the older man from Connecticut, posts a quick break from my social media break to say hashtag happy anniversary at Juliana Custodio. Today is only our second wedding anniversary and sadly our last. First of all, okay, (laughs) already, already great. Already curveball. You're saying happy anniversary and you're saying today is only our second wedding anniversary and sadly our last. Our also marriage, your break from your social media break. Like no one was paying attention, Michael, <laughs> at Michael <laughs> underscore Jessen underscore 77. FYI, no one was like waiting with bated breath. He says, our marriage is a COVID-19 casualty that will not be showing up in any statistics. Oh my God. Please, please hold on to your seats, people. Thankfully, you are quickly emerging healthier and stronger than ever. Some of the rest of us will likely be staying in intensive care for quite some time. Okay. Okay. So this metaphor is a stretch at best world. (laughs) Like what? His marriage is a casualty of COVID-19 and he's staying in the intensive care (laughs) unit while Juliana is 
like going off, which by the way is such like an incel guy response to a breakup. Like, oh, hope you're happy. Looks like you're real happy. Well, some of us ain't. Like that's what he's saying, but he's using COVID as a metaphor. Anyway, so then he goes on. He's covering, by the way, all the bases of the worst type of man because then he starts to mansplain her. He says, your experiences in life have developed in you a resilience, self-reliance and independence that allows you to survive and even thrive under almost any circumstance. You also possess a natural and incredibly beautiful joy, happiness and positivity that made me fall in love with you the first time we were ever together. Those of us who truly know you realize that the beauty inside of you is even more incredible than your beauty on the outside. I understand that our situation throughout the pandemic could slowly and eventually completely drain you of these qualities. So he gives all these compliments. He's like, you're amazing, self-resilient. And then he's like, I understand that all of these qualities are gone now. All of us were completely drained by the end of it. And I did not maintain the strength of mind and the fortitude to be the husband that you wanted me to be. The stress and the pressure of providing for everyone got the better of me. And I did not take care of myself. By the way, guys, please remember this is an Instagram caption. It is not an email (laughs) or a a letter. Also saying that your problem is that you were drained by how much you've done for others. Yeah, exactly. He's saying I care too much. He could have just written, I'm sorry, I care too much. But he wrote this whole novel. He says, all along, I failed to recognize yet that you were there for me. Okay. I do not blame you for wanting to leave and for desiring a new start. You are more suited for the life that you had before we met. And I can understand why you would want to return. Your happiness is more important to me than me being a part of your unhappiness. Okay, bitch. Then why are you writing this fucking caption attacking her? (laughs) Literally the country. My love for you remains true and always will be there for you. I'm happy that you have moved on and have quickly found someone new. I hope that you will have lasting love and happiness and achieve every dream that you set out upon. If anyone can do it, it is you. And I will always be rooting for you. Sounds like it. (laughs) Sounds like it. If anyone can do it, it's you. And I'm here. Just total support. Nothing else to say. Except for the three pages I just said. (laughs) I will remain with you in the wonderful memories that we shared together. My dog is crying. crying. He's so upset by this. I will remain with you in the wonderful memories that we shared together. My heart is broken with love, Michael. Then two quotes, guys. Okay, you thought it was the end. Actually, there's two quotes. And no, you won't be able to believe how unhinged the quotes chosen are. Quote, but love, love will tear us apart again. Unquote. Ian Curtis slash Joy Division. Ian Curtis backslash Joy Division. Then, quote, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I will meet you there. Unquote. Adolf Hitler. Well, close. Roomy. <gasps> okay. A roomy breakup quote is just, it's like a part of the process. He actually posted another breakup quote from Rumi a few days later he did a flashback sure. post of his kids which don't bring them into this because they're actually really cute and well behaved um, <laughs> like the housewives let's not talk about the kids listen there's a whole art to breakup posts and people who believe they need to do them I've almost gotten the celebrity breakup post down to a T and it is really funny when like TLC breakup- characters try to Yeah, or even like the Kristen Cavallari's of the world saying like, I understand that I've chosen to live a public life, but 
please give me my privacy in this matter. I'm like, don't worry. You've got plenty of privacy, babe. <laughs> no babe? one cares. Don't worry. I know you have a successful shoe line at Kohl's, but we're good. I'm not going to be obsessing over you and uh, potential Trump supporter, Jay Cutler. Um, so Juliana Custodio did post a response. Her Hers is still up. Michael took his down. Um, which I mean, as he should, as he should, I, I will respect him for taking that down. I think there was some, <laughs> there was some pushback to the ICU comment. And so he took it down. So on the same day that he did originally post it, Juliana posted a response and it's actually a beautiful photo of her standing in front of a rainbow. Love. Yes. Caption is strong after- metaphor, much better than the, uh, acting as though you're, in- or I was going to say that you are in the ICU after a breakup. Yeah that you will remain in the ICU because you are not able to like thrive and be resilient like she is. Okay. So she posts this picture. The caption is after the storm comes a rainbow. Cute. Sure. And then it's a photos from a notes app. So, you know, she's, she's maybe because of her down and dirty (laughs) because of her age, she's a little more aware of how to do breakup posts (laughs) the way celebrities do. She did a notes app. That's great. She says happy two year anniversary and a couple of years together, Michael. As you well said, only our second anniversary and our last. (laughs) You pointed to COVID-19 as one of the reasons we are no longer together. But we all know that there are more reasons than that. I'm paraphrasing paraphrasing a little bit because there is a little bit of mistranslation in this. Um, I'm grateful for all the lessons and the moments we got to spend together and the beautiful memories with your family. As you well pointed out, we went through a lot together. COVID was a hard time, but the hardest part for me was to picture you as someone that would be by my side. And unfortunately, you showed something completely different. Okay, so she's also being a little insensitive by saying COVID was hard, but the hardest part was you (laughs) was realizing that you weren't someone who would be by my side. She says, as everyone, we went through a hard time financially. Okay, you lived in Greenwich, Connecticut, but okay. We went through a hard time financially, but it was not a problem for me to help you, the kids, your ex-wife and her husband financially because I was the only only one working at the time. But we all know that that situation wears out. Uh, Yeah, that's going to wear. That's going to wear on the soul. Seems like the stress of the cross was on both of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to picture this. I'm like, I'm trying to picture them so fucking exhausted during COVID that they're like, he's like, your resilience is showing, but then it's draining out and I'm drained of everything. And she's like, I'm the only one working. I'm supporting her ex-husband. It just sounds like an actual nightmare. And do I hope the TLC cameras caught it? Oh yeah, you're damn right. I I hope they were there. Um, She says, we all know the situation wears out. I wasn't a part of the family anymore. I was feeling like a maid. Okay. It was toxic. I mean, uh, most women would identify with that. Yes. Namely, Margaret Qualley on the hit show. I was going to say, namely, Margaret Qualley. And I do really like that show, I have to say. I was feeling like the maid. It was toxic to a point I was not living the life I wanted to live. I needed to leave because I wasn't recognizing who I was anymore. I left my life in Europe and career to live with you because I loved you. But I love myself more to the point that I recognize I am important and I want to be happy. Amazing. Love that. You say I have found, quote, someone new. The truth is I found happiness within myself. I am happy with this new phase and I ask you to let me go. 
Stop making me feel guilty to put myself as the most important person because this is how I'm supposed to do it. I apologize for the way this happened, but we talked multiple times about it. Again, classic when a guy is complaining about a breakup and you're like, but did, were there any signs? And he's like, no, total blindside. Now this is where this is where it gets good. Spicy. Girls and boys. <laughs> we're listening. If you're, if you're are you listening? Boys, girls. Girls, boys, are you listening? If you're in a relationship and you're not happy and you know it, if you're not happy and you know it, clap your hands. No, she didn't say that. If you're in a relationship and you're not happy and you know it, doesn't matter what you do, this will not work out. Stand up for yourself. Yes. Don't be afraid to live your best life. Yes, because you're afraid of what people will think. Yes, you are the only person that knows what you've been through. Yes, everyone deserves respect, protection, understanding, love, and kindness. That's true. true. Your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. True. That's I'm true. loving. I I'm think loving she's this. right about that. Loving this. Someone who values you wouldn't ever put themselves in a position to lose you. That's damn true. That's actually true as well. That's actually I'm nodding my, along. That's actually one of my favorite lines from the whole thing. Someone who values you wouldn't ever put themselves in a position to lose you. I agree. No one saves us but ourselves. Agree with that too. No one can and no one may. And no one may. Guys, hashtag and no one may. No one can and no one may. We ourselves must walk the path. Yes. Really? Don't be afraid to start <laughs> over. It's a brand new opportunity to rebuild what you truly want. Accept what is, let go of what was, and have faith in what will be. I wish you all the best, MJ. Peace and happiness to everyone. Heart emoji. Could she have owned him anymore? No. I mean, let, let me just give some notes to both of their captions, posts. Too long. It's too long. It's too much. It's all too much. Nobody like eight endings in each post. You're like, okay, great. I love that. And then she's like, girls and boys. <laughs> let that be a lesson to you girls. I wish he gave just three more quotes. Like also this Jack Johnson quote works. P.S. P.P.S. P.P.P.P.S. Say la vie. P P P P P P P P P S. God is love. love. Rose. Rev. Run. <laughs> yeah. I think this is a great place to jump back into the rest of Jeannie's interview. But first, let's take a quick commercial break. I want true romance. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. Woo! 
As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to True Romance. We are going to get back into our interview with Jeannie Bergen. If you missed last week, you should go back and check that out for part one. This is part two. Take a listen. Yes, knowing that I actually can experience discomfort and I will be better on the other side of it is something that I just truly didn't believe or especially younger, being younger in relationships. And I'm curious what your process was getting out of a marriage because I know for me, it was like this a feeling of, I can't, no, I can't like, I can't not reach out to this person. I can't be without this person, which in retrospect is like, I mean, I was 21. I was totally like, I was fine. That is also the beauty in getting older is that like the more experience is yes. experiences you have, you know, that you can survive it. That's something I think about a lot is like, you've always been okay. Like, I think like for a while, I definitely, like I mentioned living in poverty and it's like, that the mindset of scarcity and like not even though now mm-hmm. I've you know kind of gotten on my feet again also being a writer it's like freelance and it's like oh my god I've chosen a career that <laughs> will never be stable right um, but the more experience you have and the more things you go through then you realize how much you can survive and like I remind myself like I've been okay like I got through that I can this will be okay Um, Mm -hmm. but I think like, I remember the moment that I knew our marriage was over and I was lying in bed and I was listening to this like Kesha song. And to this day, I cannot listen to the song. I, cause it just, what song was it? I don't remember. It was like, if I heard the, I don't know, I'll have to find it for you because it's not an, I miss you song. It's like, there's a, there's a roughness to the song. And like, you guys are probably going to laugh at me whenever I do find it because there was something about it that felt like, like, fuck you. I'm getting out. Yeah. And I mean, it just, and then I, afterwards, the thing that really did help me was I had had a crush, which I felt very guilty about. I had had a crush on my improv teacher. Love. And Oh, wow. Who hasn't? <laughs> right. 
and we had like the best chemistry. And then maybe like six months after my marriage, I knew my marriage was over and we officially separated. We like, he did this like trail of flowers up my driveway and like, but it wasn't in a love bombing way. It was like, he didn't have a bunch of money, but he would do these like sweet things for me. And like we had, we would make out and we just had great chemistry. And I think that was really healing for me too. And like to this Mm -hmm. day, he's the only man I've remained friends with after dating. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just have a, a great connection, but I think like, I think also I was starting grad school at the time. And so I had something for me that was like my dream that wasn't about our Mm -hmm. relationship and our marriage. It was about like, okay, I want to be a writer and I need to learn how to write a script and I'm investing a bunch of money in myself and, um, a bunch of student loans in myself that I will be paying off for the rest of my life. Yeah. But I think having my own goals and ambitions, which by the way, like that's something I'm always looking for in a man. And it's like, what are these people doing? (laughs) Like, I know what's going on. Um, anyway, that's a very vague statement, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs on Bumble and a lot of people who live off their parents. Entrepreneurs and unemployed. Oh. Not attractive. Yeah. I'm okay with anyone um, who has interests and is active in their own life. I just can't handle someone who is bitter, mm-hmm. bored, and apathetic. And cynical too, I feel like. And the people who don't want to take a look at themselves, who want to just mm-hmm. say like, my parents yes. did this to me and I'm like, okay, that yeah. is a reality. But what is, what are you doing about it? Like, what's your life? Like it, you're, you can't spend your entire life blaming your parents. Like at some point, like that is a reality what happened to you, but also what is your reality that you're creating for yourself? Like what, what do you care about? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And do you want to be free? I mean, narratives can be really toxic. You know, and I include myself, I don't let myself off with that. It's like, if I have a narrative that I never get what I want, then that is true. You know, <laughs> then if I believe that to my core, I will make that true. I will use everything as evidence that that is true. And just like you were saying, you know, if I think that there is something wrong with me, if I continue that narrative, I will find reasons for that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it must be because of some problem in me that I have to fix, that I have to solve. It's with my presentation. It's I'm not a good enough writer. I'm not pretty enough. And and I put that as a part of my narrative. And I never have been. And now this is failing me yet again. Mm-hmm. And um, in retrospect, it's like, what if I scrap that narrative that there's anything wrong with me? Like, what does my life look like then? I don't know. <laughs> That's a hypothetical. But it's such a gentle way, I think, of looking at yourself. Like, I think be, that's, like, something that I am really working on is being kind to myself because I feel like for such a long time, like, beating myself up and, like, it was, like, it did serve me, I think, in, how, in however, in whatever way it did to, like, I, ha- I was, like, parenting myself and, like, parenting my sister and, like, taking care of her and I got through it. But, like, now, I mean, and people would be like, oh, you're doing such a great job. You're so amazing. And I didn't, couldn't believe them. And now, like, 10 years out of the situation, I'm like, oh, wow, like, good for you. Like, you did it. And I'm only recently starting to, like, even when I'm, like, working out with my boxing coach now, I'm like, you showed up today. Like, you're doing a good job instead of being like, oh, I can feel that fat roll jiggling or, like, you fat fuck or, like, talking to myself that way, which is the way I used to speak to myself. But it's like, that is a practice. And all of this stuff is, like, a practice and a way of moving through life. Like, it's not... I'm have been always uh, something I'm working on is like the all or nothing mentality. Like mm-hmm. if I don't do it a hundred percent, if this, if it's not perfect, then it's not worth it. And it's like the, that, 
that's you're like erasing life and chance and like opening yourself up to different experiences when you do that. You know, anyway, I don't even know how I got there, but <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you got there because that segues into many of our listener questions, which were about self-love. Um, the first question that I want to ask you on behalf of our listeners is if you have any thoughts or experience on self-love in relation to body dysmorphia, which I know Carolina and I both or I guess I won't speak for you, Carolina, but I struggle with body. Well, dysmorphia. since I got sent away as a teenager to deal with that. Um, yes, I do. Can you because I have a sense of what body can you define body dysmorphia just so like we are all on the same page yes. about what that is. So according to Hopkins Medicine, ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, to be diagnosed with body dysmorphic disorder. So I think Caroline is right. There's like the the layman's definition, which is like basically just having really disproportionate low self-esteem about your body and obsessing about your body. And the to I guess to be diagnosed with the disorder, according to Hopkins Medicine, you must be abnormally concerned about a small or non-existent body flaw. I don't know how they define small body flaw, but whatever. Your thoughts about your body flaws must be severe enough that they interfere with your ability to live normally. Like maybe you only wear baggy clothes. You won't go out. You won't socialize as much. Um, And then it also says other mental health disorders must be ruled out as a cause of your symptom. So Mm -hmm. I think it's it's really like having an obsession with your body and appearance that interferes with like your regular daily life. Yeah. And the question is, how do you with self-love? What is the question again? What are your thoughts on body dysmorphia in relation to self-love? And how do you if you do struggle with body dysmorphia, how do you deal with it in in relation to self-love? Yeah, I mean, there, I feel like there's so many answers to that question. But like the number one thing I think is like it's so my just opinion on it is that it's so sad for women because I feel like this is like placed on us from such an early age, like what we should look like and what size we should yeah. be. And like, I remember when I was like 13, cutting out images from the Victoria's Secret catalog and putting them on the refrigerator so I wouldn't yes. eat. And it's like, I was living with my aunt and uncle and it's like, why were they allowing this to happen? Like who, I'm 13 pasting bikini models on a refrigerator so I won't eat. Like that is so mm-hmm. problematic. Um, but I have definitely, I don't know as much about body dysmorphia, but I know that like, I mean, it's very layered, um, that I have often felt like I cannot, I'm not going to date right now because I'm the heaviest I've ever been. I'm not going, I don't deserve like, and really what you're saying then is I don't deserve love because of the way I look and Mm -hmm. what kind of man is going to want to be like, they're going to see my cellulite or see my stomach roll or. Um, you know, all of this stuff. And that was actually something that was really healing in my last relationship is I was the heaviest I've ever been, but I didn't, I still felt good, I think, because I Mm -hmm. felt good about my soul and like what I have to offer and what I bring. And like my body got me through a pandemic and is still getting me through a Mm -hmm. pandemic. And I feel like practicing yoga has helped me to see like what my body is capable of. And like genuinely mm-hmm. appreciating my body and how it can move and not move, which I think is helpful too to have rest. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing too is I recently, last month, started working with a nutritionist because I went. I am the heaviest I've ever been, 
and also who cares, but I started this diet with a friend and it was like intermittent fasting. Like in the first yeah. week you couldn't have, like I wanted a banana and she's like, you can't have a banana. And I, and I, within that week I was thinking about like eating and throwing up, which I was started, like it was bulimic in high school and have dealt with that for a very long time. And recently I went and started seeing a nutritionist cause I was like, you know what, this isn't, I don't want to go down that path again. I need help. Like I need to reframe the way that I look at this. Cause therapy has been so helpful in that. Like rethinking, you know, relationships or whatever. And I'm like, okay, maybe I need to see someone who can like help me with my food, my food issues. Mm-hmm. And that has been mm-hmm. incredible. Like the one thing that I've been thinking of is she told me in our last meeting that self, um, sabotage, like thinking, talking negatively yourself to yourself is like a form of self-harm and mm-hmm. it's setting yourself up to fail. And that actually mm-hmm. really helped me be like, okay, so when I do have those negative thoughts, like, oh, you ate three slices of pizza last night, like you pig or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't talk to yourself like that. Like it was one thing. And she said to look at why did I, why did I do that and use it? She said that the, when you do things that you think, when you do things that you didn't necessarily want to do, or like I ate too much, or I was eating when I was already full, what was actually going on Mm -hmm. in that moment? And I feel like it's about like creating Mm -hmm. an awareness around why am I, why am I doing this? But also in the same regard, having appreciation for your, for your body. I follow a ton of body positive people on Instagram And that has actually really helped me too to see people, to see different body types. And, Mm -hmm. um, I always think about that image where it's like maybe five or six women. And it's like, these women are all a size 12 and they're totally different. Like, Mm -hmm. and I, I think that that's so important and that imagery, we just don't see it in our society. So I don't even know if that's answering. No, I love this topic and could talk about it forever. Something that Devin's really helped me with actually is that, you know, since uh, my accident a few years ago, I have a lot of scars. And Devin was the one who said to me when I was thinking about, you know, messaging someone online. But I said, oh, like, but I can't because I have scars on my arm. And Devin was like, wait, if you told me that you liked a guy, but you couldn't date him because he had scars, wouldn't that freak me out? Like, that would repulse me like to have Devin be like, oh my God, Carolina, I met the coolest, funniest guy, but he has like some scars on his arm. And so I can't, I'd be like, what? That's so weird. Something that was really healing for me in my last, the last person I dated is that I said to him, I was like, you know, I'm feeling really self-conscious about my weight. Like I am heavier than I would like to be. And he was like, you know what? It's like, I'm sure that all of us are and you know, we've been in in a pandemic and you know, I'm not the weight that I would like to be either, but you know, here we are. And it was just so like, that was such a nice thing to say. And I felt so free, free yeah. in that. Cause I was like, Oh, and something I try to think about too, is like, Oh, everyone has their shit. Like yeah. everyone has their yes. insecurity. Like sometimes I'll do that now. Now, sadly we've broken up, but like I will be swiping on Bumble and I'm like, he hasn't insisted something, something hurt him. <laughs> like, And that makes me feel better yeah. in a way because it's like, yeah. everyone's been through through, through something and has their insecurities, whether it be about their body or money or whatever. Right. And it's like, we're all just, and also the other thing that when you were talking, it made me think of like our 70 year old sitting around thinking, 
oh, I'm not attracted to Dale anymore because he, he right. <laughs> he's right. lost his abs right. or whatever. No, like you're just trying to like get your health care and like make sure you have your medicine or yes. whatever it is. Like yeah. maybe 70 is too young for that. But like that shit eventually goes away. And like that was actually something mm-hmm. I was thinking about in Bachelor in Paradise. These couples, it's like you're aging. You're going to age together. Like when you marry someone, yes. you do it for life. You know, and that's okay if you don't do it for life too. But like, life is messy. It's not about how you look in a bikini. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's messy and it's not pretty. And sometimes someone has something go wrong with their intestines, and you're like cleaning up their shit on the bathroom floor. Like that's love. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say I can't recommend never weighing, oh, like committing never. to never weighing yourself again enough because. I have drastically noticed a difference since I, I like made a commitment to myself that I would stop weighing myself um, because a friend was like, wait, you still weigh your, like a friend who also struggles with having had an eating disorder like I do said like, you still weigh yourself? And I was like, oh yeah. And she was like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> like, no, that's not. And I was like, oh, and you I boomer. noticed that my, <laughs> my view of myself. Yeah. She was like, wait, you still like use T-Mobile? Um, but I noticed like my view of myself in the mirror actually changed. Like I was like, oh no, that was like a lie that I was telling myself based on a number that means nothing. Mostly water weight. And yeah. also I want to say based on um, your comment about like swiping through men who have been hurt before that segues perfectly into another listener question we received, which is, I have been single for a while. How do I practice self-love when online dating is so discouraging? Which I think also you had kind of talked about at the beginning of the episode. I feel like you have to, and this is something I try to do is like limit my time I'm spending and like noticing the moment where like, I'm just swiping and it's like, I'm now Mm -hmm. totally detached from this and like noticing like this, is this making me feel good right now? Or how am I feeling about this? Cause, and then I'll shut Mm -hmm. off the app. Um, and I feel like it's about having other things going on in your life. Like I, I was thinking yesterday, like I should set a limit for myself. I'm only on it for 15 minutes a day or whatever. I'm only going to do X amount of time. So I'm not like laying in bed for an hour. And also that's something I try to do too, is keep my phone out of my bedroom. Um, which is much harder to do than, (laughs) but I sleep so much better when my phone isn't in the room. And like, it was something I did when I was, you know, had a boyfriend, it was, the phone was always in the kitchen. But now that I'm single again, like there have been times when my phone has crept back into my bedroom <laughs> on its yeah. own. Obviously, like Beauty but... and the Beast. <laughs> yeah. But like recognizing those moments where like, does this feel good? Like what, what am I getting from this right now? You know, like, and sometimes I'll think how much time did I spend on Bumble today and how much time, like I started reading, like how many, how much time did I spend reading? Cause reading is so much more mm-hmm. nourishing to me than swiping on bumble you know that's yeah. what i've started doing with instagram in general like there was some study that recently was released about how bad instagram is for teenage girls mm. and i was like mm, that could probably apply to adult women then too you <laughs> <Everyone>. know <laughs> and so i just spent i just at first i took like a week off instagram and it was great and like you said Jeannie, i read so much more i didn't miss it if anything, it was just like a relief because I realized how little I was doing on it when I was on it. And now I've been going back a little bit more. To be honest, Bachelor in Paradise got me sucked back in because I really I have been keeping track of all the couples. But I'm much more 
conscious of the fact that it can be something that can make me feel bad as simple as that i had a counselor in rehab once who i told her that i had gone i had gone on an outing and i had not stopped talking about myself as someone with an eating disorder out with my friends and then when i got back to rehab i was like i just feel like exposed like why did i talk so much and she was like well maybe maybe remember how that feels and don't do it again and i was like wow this trip in rehab could have been a lot shorter if oh. I just really embraced that. Like, how do how does that make me feel? Nah, kind of like numb and depressed. Then maybe I'll do it less. Jeannie, does that mean that you are online dating oh. again now that your year of men is over and the first relationship outside of the year of men is over? Yeah. You're without men. Sorry. The year of men is the absolute... <laughs> opposite of one yeah like i almost wish that i could like change i didn't even know what i would change the handle to but that's something i realized too in in this last relationship like i was so focused on it and i was you know really happy and in moments that i forgot oh i like to go to the beach a lot and i like to be active and i i had stopped dating myself and i realized that like oh, there are things that aren't like, I was still like going and getting massages and getting my nails done, doing things that like make me feel good. And I find fun, but like, I wasn't as active as I wanted to be. And so I feel like that was actually really helpful to recognize. Like, even if I am dating someone, I should still be dating myself. Like I should still be treating myself, um, and not putting that all of the responsibility on the other person. Cause I think that that's something that happens to a lot in relationships is like, oh, I have a person now, so, like, they can do this. They can fulfill this need. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, yeah, some, some like, the reason you're in a relationship is because someone is adding to your life, but also, right. like, you still have a responsibility to take care of yourself and, like, do things that are fun for you. Even if they're not, even if that person doesn't like the beach and they don't want to go to the beach, you should still go to the beach. Like, that doesn't mean you eliminate the thing you like from your life, you know? So yes, I am back dating, but I tried to do it a little too soon. And I actually felt really bad because I was a total flake to the sky. And I was like, oh my God, I see why this has happened. I see why people get flaky because like I put myself out there too soon and I was going to go on a date with him. Didn't meet him, but I realized like, I'm not ready for this. Like I still love this other person. I'm still healing from it. And if I'm going to go on a date with someone, I want to be like genuinely curious about them. And if I'm still hung up on someone else or I'm still grieving that relationship, I'm not going to be totally available for that person. So yes, I'm dating, but I have yet to go on a date. (laughs) That brings me to another listener's question, which is how do I deal with the question? Are you dating anyone when I'm not without feeling bad about myself? Okay. So basically the question is how do you deal with people asking you what I just asked you without (laughs) feeling bad? How do I deal with Devin, period? Um, one thing that I like saying that is my new thing to say is I haven't met anyone special. Like, it takes the ball out of I my like court in terms of, like, what's wrong with you? And, and instead, it right. shifts my perspective to being like, hmm, what's what's unappealing about the people I've been dating? Or what's unappealing about the people I've been meeting? What hasn't worked for me? Instead of, like, what is it within me that's not working right now? Right. I feel like too, you could say like, why should I be dating? What's, what's, what's not that it's like, that's not even the perfect response, but it's like, and there isn't a perfect response because I feel like it's individual, but I feel like that question is coming from a place of like, 
there is something it's like buying into the it's negative if you're not dating someone like it's negative if you're alone like that word alone is like i'm single like single is fucking awesome like be like doing whatever you want to like i was thinking about this like i have had far more orgasms with my vibrator than i have any man (laughs) like like yeah i I feel like it's a, a matter of embracing what it means to be single and like if you right. do want a relationship, what is it you're looking for and how can you fulfill what you're looking for on your own until that person does come along? Cause there's nothing wrong with having a relationship mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with being single. And I feel like that's not the way we think about it. Not that I'm an expert on any of this. This is all stuff that I struggle with. No, but, but you're, like, you're like blowing my mind with this, but yes, that's so true. Like being single can so easily feel like a deficit or like a why me or like, you know, as something that's unfair or like Carolina said, like a waiting game or like I'm just in the waiting room until the next thing happens to me when it's like nothing's happening to me. I'm just living my life and and it's great to be by myself and it's great to be around other people. And sometimes someone adds to your life and then that can be a connection. But yeah. Right. And like this is where I'm at uh, right now. Like this is, you know, like going to Mexico City, I was thinking to myself like, oh, my God, I'm so happy that like I'm in single and I don't have any children right now and I don't have any responsibilities yeah. except for Gracie and like I could find someone to watch her and then I could like get on a plane and go to Mexico and no one was standing in my way. Right. Not that some not that being right. in a relationship would stand in my way, but there is also a beauty in that of being able to pick up and go where you want to go and see the movie you want to see or whatever. Like mm-hmm. there's beauty in that that I think is really helpful to recognize, you know? Yes. I totally agree. Okay. One more listener question. How do you balance putting yourself first with being empathetic towards others? You can do both at the same time. The the first thing that I think of is I was just talking to my friend and she's in a partnership and she was like, we have both agreed in our partnership to put ourselves first and to take care of our needs. And if this is ever not working, then we will say that. But both of us have agreed we come first. And I think that... Mm -hmm what a beauty. I was like, Oh God, I want that. Like someone who is like, no, I really, cause I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who's betraying their needs for me, for my happiness. Like, yeah. I don't think that that's even possible. Like, I think that ultimately it is up to you to like, re- you know, realize what makes you happy and what fulfills you and what makes you feel good. This is like the biggest challenge of my life, to be clear. Like, I really don't know how to do it. Mm. And so I almost feel like I sent in this question. But to echo what Jeannie said, I my last relationship, one of my favorite things about it is we both put our careers first. And I found it like, like, I just loved that about it. Like, what we talked about the most wasn't our relationship. It was our career. This really makes me think of my last relationship because there was an incident that happened and it 100% did not work for me. I was like, this doesn't feel right in my body. I, this isn't working. And I left the relationship and I empathize with him. I know that he's been through a lot, but just because he's been through a lot doesn't mean that I'm willing to betray my feelings and myself and how that moment made me feel. So yes, I empathize with him. I care about him. I'm sorry for what he's been through, but I also am placing, I'm placing my needs first and I'm both can be true at the same time. 
Yeah, it's it's also yeah. like I've been through a lot. You've been through a lot, you know. I right. I forget that. I mean, Devin and I talk about mm-hmm. about it. Like we have so many friends who have been through so much, and um, they're still good at relationships. Like I I can't um, always giving some of the benefit of the doubt can only go so far. Well, I also think what you're saying is really helpful because something I've learned in the past couple years that I've been trying to work on like boundaries mm-hmm. is that if I'm not like prioritizing that and prioritizing putting myself first in that way and setting boundaries, then I'm actually not showing up in the best way for the other person. Like if I'm coming into a conversation where someone's seeking empathy, like they're seeking someone to listen, but I'm coming from a place of like, I will drop everything for you. Like I'm coming from kind of an uneven mm-hmm. place of like, I am a void and whatever you need. And what then I'm not really listening mm-hmm. right. Because then in that moment, I'm coming from a place of like, I will be okay when I make this person okay. Just speaking for myself, like that's kind of a thought process I have of like, oh, this person's not okay. I need them to be okay. And then I'll be okay. Because I think that's what it means to like love someone when really like true empathy means actually just I'm okay, so I'm available to listen to this person. And if they seek honesty, I'll be honest with them. And if they just want someone to listen to, I'll just listen. And and that's that's good. And I've I've been in play, like conversations before where when I am coming from the opposite of that place and I'm like trying to fix the situation or like feeling empty and trying to like fill myself with like solving their problem, then I have actually been told that I end up like hurting the person's feelings because I offer a solution when it's not asked for. Or I'm like dishon. I find myself being dishonest with them because I like am afraid to say what I really think. Or I don't know. I just it never feels right. Um, and so I think like putting myself first and putting my boundaries first actually like makes me more like helpful to a person at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and wouldn't you? You wouldn't want someone to abandon themselves on your behalf. Like I think if we like, right? We all have to take care of ourselves, and like, it's not sexy. No. And it's not one thing, right? Like there's no solution. Like I used to think I've talked about this with my therapist. I used to think like, okay, if I lost the weight, if I did all the yoga, if I did therapy once a week, if I, if I, you know, got my financial situation in order, if Edna's in a good place, like if all of these things, and it's like, oh my God, no, (laughs) like, but it also is all of those things because like, like yoga and meditation and going for walks at the beach and like getting my nails done. Like those are things that are fulfilling to me, like filling up the well, you know, like then I can have, then I have more to give. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that especially women like innately being caregivers. And I think like, you know, we're taught to take care of other people and be nice to other people and be polite and don't hurt other people's feelings. What about my feelings? What about our feelings? Right. You know, like, yeah. And the more we have that relationship with ourselves and we can acknowledge like, I'm feeling really sad or I'm really angry. Then when your friend is saying, I'm feeling really sad and I'm really angry, like you can, you don't even have to say anything. You like can feel with them, you know, that's empathy. Mm -hmm. Like you can, you know what they're talking about because you've been there too. But if you just bury your feelings and say, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to feel lonely. Like I don't want to feel bad. Then eventually it's coming out anyway. You can bury it all you want to, right. but it's going to come out sooner or later. Yeah, I love that. I want true romance. 
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if... no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks with zero qualifications she had a harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents she's got all of these maseratis and bentleys all in the driveway is it like a mansion yes it's a mansion that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so we didn't plan to ask this question, but you mentioned your sister, Edna, and you are her, is the correct term guardian? I say guardian because that was like the initial, I'm her conservator, which I'm glad that now like conservatorship because of Brittany is getting more, it's getting talked about, but I think like not in the fuller picture because I am a conservator of my sister and she needs a conservator. Like she is someone who is incapable Mm -hmm. of making decisions for herself. I take her to the doctor. I make all of her healthcare decisions. Like She's a year older than me, but yes, I'm her conservator, guardian, sister, mother, (laughs) like all of these roles mixed into one. I'm curious, is it, I have actually two questions. One is just how fulfilling that role has affected your romantic life. And my second question is, how do you balance like self-love and prioritizing yourself with also being like the sole person responsible for somebody else? 
Yeah. I mean, to answer your first question, how I speak about my life and my family and my sister and how I feel about it has evolved. I feel like in the beginning, especially I think that this played into one reason why I got married so young is I carried a lot of shame. I carried a lot of like something's wrong with me because my mom died of breast cancer and my dad left and my grandma took care of us and then my grandma died and I became Edna's guardian at 20. Like here's all my bad quote unquote baggage. Right. Mm-hmm. I have, Oh my, who's ever going to want to be with me because of that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, here's here are some facts of my life, things that have happened to me, but that doesn't make me any less of a person. And if anything, it makes me more of a person. <laughs> like now yes. I can see the beauty in that. And like the love that I have for my sister, I'll mm-hmm. start to cry is like, so huge. Like my relationship with her has taught me love and taught me, um, life like at its core. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's how I present that now is just like basic facts of my life, but it doesn't make me who I am. It's a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. Whereas like before it was like, yeah, my mom died and my sister and all these things and like get it out as quick as possible. And like, maybe they'll skip over it. Right. Like looking Mm -hmm. at it as damage versus like, no, this is just like facts of my life. Like this happened, but I didn't make that happen. I'm not responding to kill my mom. (laughs) You know, I didn't make my dad leave. (laughs) Like that was stuff that, that was, you know, stuff that happened to them. And my dad made that choice and that doesn't make me any less. And I separated myself. Like my identity became and is becoming more about who I am and what I care about versus like what has happened to me. Our situations are so different, but I, I have a similar feeling to you that Devin helped me with, which was, you know, I talked to her before about how, like, I feel unlovable since this accident, you know, Mm -hmm. I, and and a part of that, and I, I wonder if you feel this way is that when I meet people, I feel so vulnerable already, like just with a few facts about myself. You know, something Devin said to me recently was what happened to you hasn't taken away from your desirability or who you are as a person or how interesting you are as a person. And she said, if anything, you've grown as someone who's really been through something like if anything, that's an asset. Well, and I think just like Devin saw that in you, like the right people will see you and relate to you and will come into your life. And I thought of two things you mentioned one, Brene Brown says, not everyone deserves to hear your story. Mm, I love and that. I, oh, wow. And I, I, I love, love that. it so much because like, I think too, like being writers and being over, like I'm totally oh, an oversharer. Yes. And one of my scripts is like about my life. It's like, you're laying your soul bare, but you have to figure out a way to protect yourself. And if the people that you're sharing your story with deserve to actually hear it. And I used to go on dates mm-hmm. and be like this X, Y, and Z. Cause like naturally you talk about your family, but there's also a way to say like, I don't think we should talk about our family tonight. Like let's talk about movies or whatever. Right. And setting a boundary around right. that until they prove like they're worthy of hearing your story, you know? And like what aspects yes. do you want to share? And the second part of that, you mentioned Cheryl Strayed, who I love. I love her so much. Like she's amazing. Oh my God. But she talks about, I think in her, she's mentioned it on her podcast, and I think it's also in her book, Tiny Beautiful Things. One of my favorite books of all time. Oh, my God. But, like, when she went on her first date with her husband, and they were at dinner. I remember this exactly, please, but please keep going. It's one of my favorite things of all time. She starts, like, spilling out 
everything that happened to her and like heroin and blah, all this stuff. And he's like, we don't need to do that right now. He like placed his hand on hers and said, we don't need to go there right now. Like, let's just enjoy ourselves. And I'm just like, ah, oh, yes. Like, he also said, which I love, you don't need to be broken for me to love yes, you. Yes. Thank you for remembering it correctly. I'm sorry that I'm like such a nerd. You um, don't need to wait. Say it again. You don't need to be broken in order for me to love you. This is a narrative I see a lot in movies and TVs, especially for young girls that they're like disturbed or fucked up or so messed up until a guy sort of like solves that for them. And um, I think it's actually a very harmful narrative. And I think, yes, of course, we all have shit. (laughs) We all have our own demons and our own shadow self and whatever you want to call it. That also isn't something that anyone needs to rescue with their love. You know, they can acknowledge it. They can understand it. But that's not something that needs to be fixed. I think also, too, with my sister, like, I have help now. Before, I didn't have help. So, like, the weight of her life and the world was, like, on my shoulders. And Mm -hmm. now that I have help, now that I've been able to, like, have space and time in my home to myself and, like, Mm -hmm. my sleep to my... Because, like, when she moved in with me, like, I started sleeping on the couch. And, like, she... I gave her my bedroom. And it was, like... I, so much of my space for myself just disappeared and I wouldn't change anything about that. But I think now that I have it, like, I'm just so much more healthy. Like, I don't think I could have gone on. I don't think I would be alive right now if I were still in the same situation, taking care of my sister on my own. I needed to get help. And there was no, I I think, recognizing that it's okay to ask for help. Um, Mm -hmm. And like having that be a recognizing that people are offering, not because they pity you, not because they feel bad right. for you, but because they genuinely want to help you and you are worthy of help <laughs> and worthy of love, you know? And I feel like all that stuff, it was, it is such a huge journey with my sister, but. And I think you just addressed some of it, but what would you say to a caretaker who, um, or a guardian or conservator who's new to the experience and. Um, is navigating it emotionally. Mm. Well, first of all, I would hug them because it's so hard. It's so hard. Oh, um, yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I don't even know. I would just hug them because it's a lot and everyone's situation is different. And I'm still in, you know, support groups. It's like Sibnet and it's people who have siblings who are also disabled. And um, the stories I read, like, the emotional weight of not being able to share their story, I think is the the biggest part because right. there's still so much shame and it's very, can be very isolating. I'm trying not to speak about people with disabilities in a disparaging way, like they're a burden or something. Um, but there are circumstances that are really hard for the people who are taking care of them and are also at the same time hard for people with disabilities. If I'm trying to be you know, to speak about no, it correctly. I can hear how protective you are. And yeah. I think that must be a hard thing to balance is um, being protective and sharing your own experience with also knowing how protective you are and loving of your sister. There just needs to be a better support system for how we take care of people. <laughs> like yes. people with disabilities, yeah. people who are aging, like they're just that that system is not in place and the one that is existing is broken. And so I feel like there are some good places and like Edna's in a wonderful home. I cannot believe that they have the manager of her home is still like working. They just had another COVID case. Like even though people are vaccinated, it's just like this never ending shit storm 
and it's behind all these walls that like people don't you don't see it, you know, like it's not part of our daily yeah. conversation. Anyway, now I'm off on another tangent, but it's just a very it's a world a whole world that we will all deal with at some point. Like yes. aging, right. having a surgery, like if you get in a car accident, like mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. No, I I mean it's one of the things I love about nurses forever. I've felt love from family, I've felt love from friends, and I've never felt love like people who are taking care of me in a hospital because I've never been that human in my life. <laughs> I've never I it wasn't even a thing where I had I could, you know, think about whether I wanted to ask for help. I just needed it. And you probably all like I think the best caregivers are the ones who can like I feel like there's one in my sister's house who like that is her calling. And then there's other people who like yeah. that is their job and they could care less. And like that is life. That's like we all have to have, you know, income and stuff. But like that you I would want a caregiver who is also taking care of themselves because then you have more to give and you're like, right, you know, like even physically like lifting my sister, like I have a back injury and like something that I've been doing physical therapy and now I'm working out the trainer, like a lifelong, I was putting myself in situation, like carrying her up the stairs. That's what I had to do because she wouldn't walk inside, but I was hurting myself. And like, now I'm like, oh my God, yeah. my poor body, like my body went through that, but I wasn't taking care of myself. So it's like, you want people who are also taking care of themselves and putting their needs first. So then they can actually give back, you know, it's so beautifully put like as a physical metaphor for what I think we've been talking about this episode. Thanks for letting me like go on and on. Well, I don't think you've gone on and on enough personally, but I do want to end on like just a light note. I was going to ask if you have a story of the worst date you've been on, um, with yourself or with another person. And if you have any stories to share of that. That's so interesting because I don't think I've ever had a bad day with myself. Oh, like I, I know I how to have, like, I know how to have fun. Like what I want to do. Like I recently went horseback riding by myself and it was so fun. And like, it was an hour of my day and it was beautiful. And uh, you yeah. know, I don't think I've ever had a bad time. So I know how to have a good time with myself. <laughs> um, Love that my worst date is also my funnest because it makes me laugh. So like, it makes me, it just brings joy to my soul, even though it was so terrible. Number one, we met at Starbucks. Continue. Yes. Okay. Who's having a date at Starbucks? Oh, that was the date. I thought you meant like you ran into each other in the oh, line no, or the something. Plan, the date, the romantic date was Starbucks on Melrose. I know a place. Okay. I know a little coffee shop oh, we can meet no. at actually. On Melrose? Starbucks on Melrose I think because he lived oh near my it. God. He lived near it. That's another, okay. this is a boundary that I've set now is that, and I told this to this guy recently cause he was like, come to my neighborhood. And I was like, I have no. a rule on a first no. date. I do not travel to a man. If you have a problem with that, then we're not meant to be like, okay, love that. I'm not doing it. Um, our date was at Starbucks Melrose. I didn't have a car at the time because my ex-husband took my car in the middle of the night. It was registered under his name. So I didn't have my car. It was in my first year of grad school doing my little genie does the internet blog. So I take the, the bus, two buses actually, to the Starbucks on Melrose oh because my God. it was by him. This is how much I didn't value my time. <laughs> like, I relate course, so I strongly. As, as someone who would go from Brooklyn to Harlem for someone who then just fell asleep and didn't hang out with me at all, I strongly relate. Oh my God. <laughs> I relate because I would go into actual debt. I'd be like, I will pay a cab fare to to spend time with someone that I will not even want to sleep with and then leave after not sleeping with them because I yes. I just need to, I don't know. Something, just, just something. something. Yeah. 
Oh my god. Anyway, go on. So he sh- he shows up. I believe he was late. I'm standing in the corner. He shows up, sunglasses, r- like wrinkled shirt, shorts, a dog. I love dogs. Like I love dogs so much. This dog was a mess. It was it was a little okay. bulldog drooling everywhere. Hey, he has love, sun- but continue. <laughs> he has sunglasses on, and I notice he's bleeding. Genius. <laughs> What? Where? From where? From where? From what From orifice? His forehead. Yes, 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 yes. This <laughs> this is starting to bring me joy. I'm I'm not in horror anymore. I'm now in joy. He's blood okay. at his forehead. And like, <laughs> <laughs> so okay. this is odd. Okay. So I like, of course, didn't say anything because I was not at the t- point in my life. Like I was like, did he get into an altercation before he came here? Did he like right. pop a zit and like it's bleeding? <laughs> yeah, because that actually I identify with. Well, that actually could happen yeah. to me. Yeah, I could do that and then be like, wait, sorry, what? They'd be like, oh, you no, have toilet paper just, in your um, face. It's it's my blush. <laughs> so we go and we get a table on the patio. And he sits down and hands me his Starbucks card. And he's like, I'll have a green tea. <gasps> wild, 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 wild. Men wow. gone wild. <laughs> Boys Men gone, gone wild. wild. This is how much I disrespected myself. I took his card and I got well, You were in disbelief. What do you do when someone does something shocking? I, I couldn't even, I would do the same thing because I wouldn't have time to process what just happened. <laughs> right. So I get the tea. I come back out. We're having a conversation. He never takes off his sunglasses. At one point, we're talking and a bird flies into my face a little bird <gasps> comes up fluttering along smacks so me you're fighting too at this point <laughs> wait so this is a horror movie you guys, this is a horror movie and I st- this is hitchcock <laughs> and i start laughing because i think it's the fucking funniest thing that's ever right. happened he does not blink an eye make any sort of what nothing this is... it doesn't even register he doesn't react, <laughs> doesn't react. And I think it's hysterical. Okay. And I'm like, oh, a bird just flew into my face. And he and he's like, oh, moving on. And like kept talking. <gasps> what? Yeah. So we just did the conversation, whatever. The conversation goes. And then his dog is like slobbering on my leg. It's just like this gross dog. And I love dogs. Like this is the only dog other than the one that attacked me as a child that I don't like. So the date, it just, you know, it ends. Like that, the bird flies. It, there was something else that was, I think I was like, the other challenging part too is because he had his sunglasses on. I was just looking at my reflection the whole time. Oh my <laughs> so God. It's very awkward and weird. So the date ends. I go onto the bus and then halfway home, the bus breaks down and they're like, we're going to have to have to call another bus and I transfer can't. you to another bus. So I'm like, I've come all this way. The bus is breaking down. I think it was summer. It was like hot. We had to wait like a long time for the bus to come. And then I take the bus and I go home. So that was like the worst state. But here's the thing. I told this story to my friend and he was like, Jeannie, what if he was blind? <gasps> oh, interesting. He didn't see the bird. Wow. He didn't, he didn't know he was bleeding. bleeding. He had a dog, but the dog, a dog. Seem, the dog didn't seem like a seeing eye dog. He, We're okay, really this is giving very him the benefit of the doubt here. That's all I'll say. I think he was a jerk. I don't well, think he was blind. He could be, he could be both because that could be. That seems like something you would also tell someone. Like it wouldn't just be like you would assume that you knew. (laughs) Right. Right, But that's like, so there's many men on dating apps who have children who don't say that, you know? So I don't know, but that is an interesting way to come at the situation with empathy (laughs) 
when it was a total fucking nightmare and seemed ab. I mean, I feel like, okay, even if he was blind, he heard you react to like the bird hitting. <laughs> Yesterday, I heard a loud sound in my apartment and I heard someone go, whoa. I asked that person <laughs> when I got out of the bathroom, what happened? There was a loud noise. Like, it's interesting that he didn't even say like, oh, it did something. Ha like, what happened? What happened? Unless maybe he was like, I'm insecure that I can't see what happened. So I'm just not going to like mention also, it. Also, like I was in hysterics because like, as you mentioned, like I think dark shit and like weird shit happening. It, it's just hysterical. Right. Like, and he just, I was just laughing. And then I felt like, oh, I guess I shouldn't be laughing. And it was just a terrible, terrible date. That's so That's bizarre. That's wild. That's wild, wild, wild. And you also, even if you're blind, you can feel what it feels like to have sticky blood on your forehead. <sighs> I imagine sticky, <laughs> sticky blood on your forehead. <laughs> But also, I don't know. Men, nothing pisses me off more than a man who shows up to a date in a wrinkled shirt. Like it's a fucking t-shirt. Okay. Put a dryer, put a dryer sheet in there, and don't like you don't even have to iron it. I don't care. Why are you in wrinkled clothes? This is something that I have expressed intense rage over because I I dated someone who wouldn't even like zip up his fly. Like he would just be like, oh, I forgot to zip it. Like he would just show up with an unzipped fly, and I was like. The amount of like contraptions women have to deal with from a young age of like, OK, so now this is the age you're at where you wear this contraption. Now this is the age you're at where you insert this contraption into your body. Right. This is I, like the things you have to do to appear normal. And the fact that men can't even look down and be like, oh, the zipper over my genitals. Uh, maybe I should take a second to like just do a little. I literally have a derma no? roller, which is a bunch of tiny needles. I roll over my face so collagen grows and I look very youthful. <laughs> And I dated someone who would not put a belt on and their hairy butt cracks stared at like the entire universe. And I was like, how, how, <laughs> and what do I do? Yeah. And what do I do? And look, <laughs> look what, what I, I do. do. I'm look wounding at all my do face. For you. Jeannie. Oh my God. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm going to carry things that you've said with me forever. And I'm so excited for our listeners to hear this interview. Um, where can we find you? Well, I guess a year without men, but I'm not, I mean, I, I, it's not as up, it's not as upkept. That's not a word because I haven't really been doing it, but I am going to write something about going to Mexico city because I think women should travel alone at least once. I just had a mother friend of mine do it and she had the time of her life and needed a fucking break. And I think everyone should do that for themselves. So a year without men or Jeannie Bergen, but don't be a creep. On that note, thank you. And we're so grateful for your time. And I'm sure our listeners will be as well. Thank you. Bye, guys. All I ever wanted was a little love. I want true romance. It's true. True. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.